When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It has been a day. Doug Lay Maurice and nobody else because we recorded this thing for 50 or 55 minutes on Sunday afternoon and then the audio program bombed and I hadn't saved it before it bombed and we lost it. So Stephen and Nathan are back at their houses working. Uh, I am in my basement alone, and we're going to do a quick post-playoff announcement. Buckeye Talk, Ohio State, headed to the Fiesta Bowl to face Clemson. If they had beaten Wisconsin more convincingly on Saturday night, they would be headed to Atlanta to face Oklahoma. And we will dig into that. We will continue. Um, I want to update some stuff. So we did the whole pod. We had some disagreements about stuff. I'll tell you sort of what Stephen and Nathan thought about some of these topics. We're going to run through a bunch of questions, try to get to as many as we can couple things happening for the tech subscribers in particular. Again, if you haven't tried it, start now. Cleveland.com slash OSU for more info. 14-day free trial and then 4 bucks a month. We're going to start adding Hey Dougs every few days for free that you guys can jump in and read. I did some on Saturday podcast questions we didn't get to and put them on the site. These won't be on the site. These will be just for tech subscribers as another little bonus thing for the next month. So... You're getting a lot of bang for your buck for four bucks for this month, and then see how it goes. Um, read our stories at cleveland.com slash OSU. Uh, drop the reviews for the pod if you would be so kind. From the 513, I went from being the most confident in an Ohio State team ever to one of the least confident in 30 minutes. Am I being irrational? I think this is a really good point that we need to address with this Ohio State Clemson game. I'm going to tell you, don't be afraid. This is the same Ohio State team that you've been rooting for and impressed by for 13 games. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because Dabo has a chip on his shoulder. Don't be afraid of Trevor Lawrence. Don't be afraid of Travis Etienne, who I know I'm going to call Etienne Sabino at some point in the next three weeks. Don't be afraid of this defensive line skill. Rise to the challenge as a fan. This Ohio State team should not be afraid of anyone. We'll get into this sometime in the next three weeks. Ohio State has more recruiting talent than this Clemson team because Clemson did not have the number two recruiting class in the country in 2017 on which this team is built. Do not be afraid. Welcome the challenge. And a lot of people have pointed out, and we'll get to these, this is the team that ended Woody Hayes' career. Woody ended his career, but he did it against Clemson. This is a team that hurt Braxton Miller's shoulder in 2013, not on purpose, but he got hurt in the Orange Bowl against them, changed the direction of Ohio State history. This is the team that shut out Ohio State in the 2016 semifinal, changed the course of Ohio State history. And I'll explain that in a story in the next couple weeks. You guys can probably figure it out. But I would argue, man, I just figured out a new story just now, thanks to you people. There are ways in which every bad thing that ever happened against Clemson helped Ohio State reach a new benchmark and have their program progress. Nobody wanted Woody Hayes to end that way. But you got Earl Bruce in here, and they still had some good teams for a while, but they had to progress. Would you have rather had Woody stick around to the point where Woody's stacking up five win seasons and you end up having to fire a legend for that? Would you rather have you saw what happened, the way it transpired with Braxton Miller? Ohio State in 2013, they lose to Clemson in the Orange Bowl. Braxton Miller gets hurt. They won the national championship in 2014. They could not have done better. It was a shame what happened to Braxton Miller, but it set Ohio State on that path toward JT Barrett when Braxton re-aggravated that same shoulder injury the next preseason. And I strongly believe 
that the Clemson lost 31-0 in 2016 set Ohio State on this path. Ryan Day was hired a week later. Tim Beck was gone. Ed Wardner was gone. What if they had squeaked by or, or barely lost or whatever, and you would have had more Tim Beck and Ed Warner? Ohio State needed a change because 15 and 16 didn't work. The Clemson loss showed how it didn't work. Ohio State doesn't need a change now. They've already had the change. So they don't need a Clemson loss to show them what they're doing wrong. They don't need a Clemson loss to save them from themselves. So do not be afraid. It's not a guarantee. It's a coin flip game. Last time Ohio State played Clemson in 2016, a lot of people thought that was a coin flip game. Going out to Tempe, not to Tempe, to Glendale, to face Deshaun Watson. And then we saw what Deshaun Watson was. Maybe Justin Fields is Ohio State's Deshaun Watson. Trevor Lawrence is good. What if we haven't seen the best of Justin Fields, which I think is possible. I'm not trying to be a homer. Do not spend the next three weeks being afraid. And I absolutely understand where the 513 is coming from because you were riding so high. Clemson has played nobody. Clemson has played nobody. Let me run through Clemson's schedule real quick, and then we'll get to more questions. If Gordon Gee was around, he would be making a little Sisters of the Poor joke right now. Schedule, Clemson Tigers. Week 1, Guthrie Middle School, 52-14. Week 2, a pickup game against some minors in Texas. Not minors that they're young, but they come out of the ground, they're minors. Week 3, I'm just... Georgia Tech, Texas A&M, Syracuse, Charlotte, North Carolina, Florida State, Louisville, Boston College, Wofford, NC State, Wake Forest, South Carolina. They've played nobody. You've heard me rip the ACC on this podcast. Don't be irrationally afraid of Clemson because they've kicked the butts of lousy teams. Clemson has not faced a stretch like Ohio State just faced with Penn State, Michigan, and Wisconsin, which is why you're now worried about Ohio State. Clemson is like if Ohio State's 10-game stretch to start the year lasted 13 games. If Ohio State's 10-game stretch to start the year with Maryland and Rutgers and Indiana and Cincinnati and Miami of Ohio and Florida Atlantic and everybody else, Northwestern, if that had lasted 13 games, that's Clemson. How confident would you be right now? Clemson has played nobody. Respect them. Don't fear them. Don't let this matchup make you doubt your team. Man, I don't usually sound this homerish, but I want fans to feel confident. I want fans before the Brown season. This last Brown season, I wanted them to feel confident. It's not a guarantee about how it's going to go. But there's the thing in life where why worry about what might go wrong so that you can worry about it. And then if it goes wrong, now you were miserable twice. Or you worry about it and then it's okay. You were miserable for no reason. Assume the Ohio State Buckeyes are going to go out into the desert and show out. And if they don't, worry about it then. Please don't let your holidays be ruined because Dabo's yapping about a lack of disrespect, about a lack of, uh, it's not a lack of disrespect, there is some disrespect, about a lack of respect because nobody's impressed by beating Boston College 59-7. to You want to play a game called how many of Clemson's opponents fired their coach? At least two, Florida State and Boston College. Are there any more? Remember when people thought Wake Forest was good? Wake Forest is what what used to pass for a real team in the ACC. Wake Forest went eight and four. Wake Forest stinks. I don't think Wake Forest could beat Maryland. It's nuts. It's nuts. It's nuts. Just it's all good. All right, it's all good. All right, let's get to more questions. I get it. I get you guys almost all the time. So when I'm trying to talk you off the ledge, I'm trying to do it from a place of, I feel like I understand where you're coming from. And it's not irrational. It's not irrational to think it, right? It's irrational to ignore my very reasoned take, which is what this podcast is all about. It's always irrational to ignore my very reasoned takes. All right, what do we got? From the 559, let's play the if game. If Penn State, Michigan, and Wisconsin win their bowl games along with Ohio State winning the national championship, this Ohio State team would be considered the best team of all time, right? All of those wins in consecutive weeks and all would be in the final AP top 10 at the end of the year. Like, you don't want to get ahead of yourselves on that. A 15-0 and team 
And this is one of the things we talked about on the Great Lost podcast. The Lost Buckeye Talk episode. They'll be telling stories about it for years to come. It's going to be influenced by what Justin Fields and Chase Young and Jeff Okuda and people like that go on to do. If Justin Fields wins the Heisman in 2020 and they say, wow, they had a Heisman winning quarterback in 2019. It was the year before he won it. Chase Young's going to win some hardware. J.K. Dobbins might run for 2,000 yards. You have a receiver who's the all-time leader in receptions. The history book is going to accentuate the skill of this Ohio State team. You don't know what Ryan Day is going to go on and do, right? A 15-0 Ohio State team beating Clemson and LSU and what you talked about, and not even all those Big Ten things have to come true. Yes, I think it would have a chance to be considered among the great teams of the modern era. Now, you got to string some stuff together, which is why 2015 was so painful to Ohio State. Because if you would have gone back-to-back there with basically that same group of guys who now have gone on to greatness, you really would have had a conversation like that. So we'll have to see how 2020 backs it up. But an individual season, 15-0, and when you look at and they're going to say, wow, those three teams in that one year were great. Yeah, I think you're in that discussion. Considering this is the 8-4-3, considering the pounding that Clemson put on the Buckeyes last time in the 0-3 lifetime record, how do you think this coaching staff plays up the matchup psychology? Brian from the 8-4-3, which is Clemson territory, he says with the laughing, crying emoji. Um, I We talked about this again on the last podcast. Um, I think the motivation for this team comes from the recent past. We talked about it with the Michigan game. Sometimes the history gets lost on these guys. When you've lived the history, the motivation for these guys, none of them won a national title. Some of them were around for the Clemson butt whooping. Anybody who's a fourth or fifth year guy was around for the Clemson butt whooping in 16. But they all, all the important guys were around for the Purdue loss and the Iowa loss, the losses that kept them from this opportunity. So the motivation for this national title is a national title, not to be weird about it. It's not Woody Hayes. It's not 2013. I just explained all the stuff. I did that in the earlier podcast, too. I made a point, and then I undid my point at the end of it. The motivation is the fact Chase Young, this is his only shot at the playoff. So I don't think they have to go in the Clemson rabbit hole or rabbit trail. Person who knows there that's intended for. They don't have to go down that path to find motivation. They'll use the number two thing a little bit. But I think the main thing is this is the opportunity you've worked all year for because you were denied it the past two seasons. Don't blow your shot. Clemson should be well-rested. They'd have 14 weeks off. Talk about untested. Clemson plays, hasn't played a currently ranked team yet. Buckeyes have the advantage of being of beating six ranked teams. Buckeyes by 14 from the 419. That person does need a pep talk. Does his number two spot give them more time to prep for Clemson and also give Day the chance to play the respect card in the locker room? Again, you're looking for an edge. Again, on the last podcast, we talked about the idea that the most dangerous team, I've always said this, the most dangerous team around is an overdog with an underdog attitude. Overdog talent, underdog attitude. Ohio State has as much talent as anybody in the country. LSU and Clemson do not have more talent across the board than Ohio State. They don't. I think Ryan Day all year was looking for a reason to keep this team with a chip on its shoulder. That's why he brought up preseason rankings in December. Because he's looking for a chip. Number two will help. I think it's silly. I think the idea that Clemson and Ohio State are going to get in a race against each other to see who can act like they were more disrespected when they're undefeated national powers who everybody thinks is great. I get it. Fine. I get it. You got to play the game. It's not real. Nobody actually disrespects them. So like, if you don't think people respect Ohio State, you're not looking at it right. Or you're listening to the wrong people. I don't care what I don't care what Clay Travis thinks. Like national ding dongs who say stuff for ratings. Like it, why would you? You don't want their respect. Real college football people they know Ohio State's good. Real college football people they know Clemson's good. But the idea of and I think someone asked this specifically the idea of who would you rather play first, Clemson or LSU? Now the idea is if you're number one you don't have to play both. You only have to play one to win it all. That's the whole point of being number one. It's not really the idea of what's the order of Clemson LSU. It's the idea you only have to play either Clemson or LSU. Just like LSU has to play either Clemson or Ohio State. LSU feels great about that. But if you were going to get Clemson and LSU, 
Who would you rather have first? I think maybe Clemson. Give Ryan Day time. Both great defensive coordinators. Dave Aranda at LSU. Brent Venables at Clemson. So give Ryan Day time with either of those guys. You've seen what Ryan Day has done to Don Brown the past two years. I think you'd rather have a little more time for Brent Venables. I think Clemson has more defensive talent across the board. And from an offensive standpoint, and this is the point that I rescinded earlier, nobody in college football knows Joe Burrow better than Ryan Day. Now, maybe Tom Herman at Texas who recruited him. And then I noted that, okay, if you think the head coach of a team, having coached the quarterback of the opposition, knowing him, the idea that what if Ryan Day in 2017 had a day where he said to all his quarterbacks, what are your fears? What do you hate? What makes you uncomfortable? What's your least favorite thing that can happen when you drop back to pass? Oh, I hate interior. I hate blitzes through the A-gap from a linebacker. Oh, I hate when uh, they spy me. I hate when they cover up my check down and I can't get an easy five yards if my first or second, second read are covered. What do you hate? What if Ryan Day did that and wrote all that stuff down just in case his quarterbacks ever transferred, he'd have the goods? Ryan Day knows Joe Burrow, so I think maybe you need a smaller window for Joe Burrow because you might have a night. Now, Joe Burrow's improved by leaps and bounds. Joe Brady at LSU, the offensive coordinator, they got Joe Burrow in the right system doing the right things. Joe Burrow puts the ball in the money and makes the right decisions, much like Justin Fields. So, you know, it's not a magic. They don't, Ryan Day doesn't have a magic pill because he coached Joe Burrow for a year. But he watched him compete for the starting job here. So I would rather, if you have to face them both, I'd take Clemson first. More study on Clemson. Believing there may be some things that you could use some extra time on. And then if you get past them, believing that you, you can find a way to deal with Joe Burrow in a shorter window. Oh, let's see. Ohio State's last two national championship teams made runs as underdogs. This year is setting up the same way. Uh, Ohio State is an early underdog betting line to Clemson. I actually like this. What do you think? From the 614, also any regrets on underestimating Wisconsin and watching Star Wars instead of doing game prep? So I wrote about last week, I said I watched The Mandalorian first episode instead of watching Wisconsin-Minnesota game film. And what I would say about that is Wisconsin came out and played a perfect half against Ohio State. A perfect first half and earned my respect. Paul Chris is a really good coach for that program. Earned my respect and got blown off the field in the second half. That was the best you could get from Wisconsin. And Ohio State still pulled away and won. So I enjoyed the Mandalorian's first episode. And I have no regrets because you know what I know? I know that Wisconsin, even at its best can't get it done against Ohio State. 1 and 11 in the last 12. I would watch The Mandalorian five more times before I watched any Wisconsin film. No apologies. The underdog idea, right? It can be real. One thing I think is worth noting, and it's obvious, 2006 when Urban Meyer played up the underdog role so much for Florida. That was 51 days for Ohio State as the number one team in the country. 51 days from the Michigan game, which was their last game, to the national title game. 51 days. It's 21 days this time. Less than half as much time. This is going to be like a bye week. This is going to be like a bye week for them. And that's about it. Do some bye week stuff. Send them home for a little bit pre-holidays. Meet them in Arizona. And do a week of game practice. A game week, game week of practice. So, yeah, the underdog thing matters, but it's not It's not like the underdog thing that Urban pulled as the underdog with Florida in 2006 is like legendary. You're not going to have – there's not the psychological buildup to this that makes it as important. But every coach looks for an edge. You know, would you rather be number one against Oklahoma? Yeah. So if you want to try to spin this – I mean, there's still a higher seed than Clemson. Ryan Day and Dabo can try to, again – See if he can get the biggest chip on his team's shoulder by the time they play the game, but I don't think it's going to determine who's going to win. The game time is 8 Eastern. It is the second part of the doubleheader that day. Saturday, the 28th of December, LSU-Oklahoma will be the first game at the Peach Bowl. Fiesta Bowl, second game, Ohio State-Clemson. Mark your calendars. 
From the 3-1-0 preseason, I asked about Coach Studd's performance, and we agreed it was adequate, but kind of subpar. Watching closely, I believe Josh Myers legitimately deserves All-American status, and Wyatt Davis was an, was an athletic and powerful force inside as well. Would love both an assessment of Studd's job this season, as well as the overall O-line. I think they're good. I think they gave up some stuff against Wisconsin when we talked to Josh, uh, Josh Myers on, on uh, Sunday. He said a lot of it was Wisconsin bringing more guys than they, they had to block. So if you're only blocking with six and they're bringing seven, you lose the numbers game. If they're bringing seven against five, you lose the numbers game. Um, I think they lost the numbers game, and he was saying, then we got to get the ball out. Justin held the ball. Justin held the ball against Wisconsin. He's got to get it out. I believe in Justin's ability to make plays, and you trade the, you trade that, you make that trade off. Let him hold it, because sometimes it's a big play. If you get a couple sacks, so be it. I thought he was less able to make the big plays because of the knee brace against Wisconsin so that you lessened the reward and kept the same risk. And that was a bad combo. Clemson's D-line is going to be better. We're going to get more questions about this. And this is, a again, a point I made in the last podcast. And I'll stop referencing the last podcast. We talked for 50 minutes and it didn't, it didn't save. Apologies to Nathan and Steven that I wasted your time. We're going to get back midweek podcast, and we're going to do two podcasts a week, and then we'll do daily podcasts from the Fiesta Bowl. So that's the plan, daily podcasts out there. Until then, even though there's not a game on the weekend, we'll do a weekend podcast, okay? Midweek, weekend. Keep giving you two. Everything is ramped up. Everything that was, you know, question about X, well, this issue, yes, everything is magnified now. Everything. It's like been a slow climb. Sean Clifford to Shea Patterson, now to Trevor Lawrence. The quarterbacks are better. The defensive lines are better. The receivers, okay. They said when they played Penn State, that was the best they played. Then they played Michigan. That was the best they played. Now they're going to play Clemson. Then they might play LSU. It's going to be up, up, up. Everything's magnified. But I think, and we disagreed with this a little bit before on the podcast, Steven had some issues, particularly with uh, ball security and fumbles, that he thought were an issue at the end of the year. I said, is there anything that happened to Ohio State at the end of the year, any problem that wasn't just the competition getting better? And Steven thought the ball security would have been an issue no matter what. He thought they were kind of dropping the ball, literally and figuratively. Um, I thought it was an interesting point. It made me want to go back and look at some of those fumbles. There were a couple that were ripped out. Um, In my head at the moment, I don't think it's a huge concern for Ohio State about ball security. I think almost everything is level of competition. Everything that doesn't look as good now as it did a month ago is because the competition is better. I I, I really, it's almost everything. So, my only advice is it's not going to be easy. Just like I think I tried to warn you guys, the end of the season is not going to be easy. Just because they were winning by 40 or their average margin of victory, I think, before Penn State was 24 going into that. You're winning by 24 points a game. That's not going to continue because the competition's going to get better. So as long as you understand that, as long as you understand Clemson is X times better than any team they've played. But I will tell you this. The difference between the best team that Ohio State has played and Clemson is a significantly smaller gap than the best team that Clemson has played and Ohio State. If you think to yourself, wow, Clemson is a lot better than Wisconsin. Clemson's a lot better than Michigan. Clemson's a lot better than Penn State. What do you think Clemson is doing looking at Ohio State and comparing them to Wake Forest or Virginia. Are you kidding me? Wake Forest wishes it was Minnesota. The gap is greater for Clemson. All right. Clemson is has a, a, a greater variable in the difference between its past this season and what it's about to face. So whatever you fear with Clemson, Clemson should actually fear from Ohio State more. Can we beat Clemson from the 706? Yes. Coin flip is probably a coin flip. Probably a coin flip. You need guys healthy. We think they are, right? Jeff Okuda should be fine. Sean Wade, I think, came out. Nathan mentioned came out sort of late against Wisconsin, but... I think we can expect he'll be okay. I think three weeks off. Justin and the knee, you have to remember, 
Hurts it late against Penn State, re-aggravates it in the Michigan game, plays with the bulky brace against Wisconsin, didn't have time to rest it. And Ryan Day talked about after the Wisconsin game that Justin had fewer reps last week in practice. He's going to get rest. And the idea that he's not going to have to play a game for three weeks, even though it's not 51 days, 21 days compared to I've got to play Saturday, 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 that's going to give his knee, it should be in much better shape. I don't know the medical diagnosis beyond Justin saying it's a sprained MCL. But you look at just the the humanness, the humanity of his knee, and it should be significantly improved. Let's see. Is this playoff similar to 2014? This is Jordan in the 937. In the sense that Clemson is probably the tougher test, even though it's in the semifinal. If they're, and if they are able to win a heavyweight final there like they did against Bama, the championship game could seem almost easy. Against a great offense with a Heisman winning QB, but some weaknesses on defense. It's a great uh, great comparison, Jordan. And again, it goes back to if you have two tough tests, which would you rather have first? I don't think it's quite as stark as Alabama and Oregon. I think there was a pretty wide talent gap between Alabama and Oregon other than at the quarterback position. LSU's got some players on offense beyond Joe Burrow. And their defense has played better. I think it's in the same realm. I don't think it's quite as stark. Do you really think these last few slow starts on defense is a result of just playing three top 13 teams back-to-back-to-back or we're becoming easier to scheme against people finding more cracks? David R. in the 5-1-3. I downplayed the the rematch thing. I think part of what Wisconsin did in the first half was learning from the first game, right? Um, They did use knowledge gained from the first matchup. I really think it's mostly the competition is better, though. I mean, it's like, oh, what, what what's up with the pass defense? What's up with the pass defense is Penn State and Michigan can throw the ball. And if you run through the list of quarterbacks, Ohio State played in the first 10 games. Awful. I mean, there's nobody. So I, I really, again, I, you know, I, if they had played Ohio, I will say this. If they had played Penn State and Michigan early and they had finished with Indiana and Rutgers and Cincinnati, and even though Indiana and, and Cincinnati are pretty decent, I think you would be might be saying, wow, Ohio State really peaked at the end of the year. It's like, they didn't peak at the end of the year. They just didn't have to play anybody as good as Penn State and Michigan. I think the schedule worked out a little weird here. I think it just worked out a little weird, and I think I think that's 95% of it. From the 217, I was happy with, with the Wisconsin game. Ohio State was off early, but uh, Ohio State coaches made serious adjustments at halftime. I have a lot more faith in the team and the coaches. They can go with Clemson and not fold in adversity. Why am I wrong? I don't think you're wrong. I saw Jeff Halfley, who has talked to us all year, about it's not halftime adjustments. It's it's drive-by-drive adjustments. Um, he's kind of pounded that into our heads because a lot of reporters like to talk about halftime adjustments. And he's like, if you wait till halftime, it's too late. He's talking about, I'm up in the box. By the time I get downstairs, I have to take a golf cart to the locker room. I get in there. We have five minutes. If you're waiting to halftime to adjust, you're behind. You've got to adjust the whole way. I mentioned that to him in the locker room Saturday night. And he's like, oh, yeah, actually, uh, this week we had to make some major halftime adjustments. So, But I think that is also the issue. And we talked about it in a video on the field after the game Saturday night. Almost any issue you bring up with Ohio State, particularly defensively, it's a first half issue. And they always get it fixed. If you want to show me an issue defensively that, that was bothered them for 60 minutes, that's a very different consideration. Now, they can't allow themselves to get run over in the first half because you know they're losing 21-7 to Wisconsin. If they do that same exact thing against Clemson, they may be down 27-3. to Now you're down four scores instead of two scores, and you've dug a much deeper hole. But I don't think that will happen to the same degree. It's like I just... I, I just think it'll be a close, complete game. I don't think either team will jump out this is not going to be 2016. Ohio State's a more talented, deeper, more complete team. Um, but they can't have a slow they can't have a slow enough start that they are going to rely on the second half. They've got to get it figured out quick. So like I understand the question, but it's not I wouldn't have it be a point of panic right now. All right, we're rolling. Again, sorry I screwed up the previous podcast. Um, go to cleveland.com/osu just to read our stories this week for more information on this text thing. I really just can't recommend it enough. People just give good feedback, and now for the next month, you're going to get bonus stuff. And for all you guys who are already tech subscribers, love you, appreciate you. Um, 
I hate Twitter now so much. I hate it. I hate Twitter. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And it's because the text interactions are so fruitful and thoughtful and fun and interesting. And it, you can still rip me, but it's not just being a, a, an a-hole to be an a-hole. And some of you who are tech subscribers I have interacted with on Twitter before. There are interactions on Twitter help make you be a tech subscriber. But then you were, you were A-plus level Twitter interactions before. Like the other random Twitter people. Here's the thing. If you also are still following me on Twitter, here's what you get now from me. If I have real analysis about the team that I'm not putting in a story, I'm texting it. I'm not giving that away for free anymore. So Twitter is dumb jokes and links to my stories. And if I tweet out something and your response to it is like, no, that's a terrible idea. I was being sarcastic. Stupid Twitter people. Now, if I sent that to my text people, they would know. But I also don't waste my text people's time. On Twitter, I am more than happy to waste your time with random ding-dongness. Because that place can be a cesspool. We'll be back on Buckeye Talk. All right, I'm back. I have Chinese food in my tummy. I have a difficult uh, time finding... Local Chinese food that I like. Um, I don't know if that happens to other people. That's a common uh, problem. Um, then I'm glad we could share that together. Like if you find your place, right? It's like finding a good mechanic or something. You find one, then like you're good to go. You go back again and again and again. But sometimes if you're on the search, <clears throat> it can be a frustrating search. Uh, the, the, I just What I have was average. Pretty good. From the 614, the belief was that Ohio State would be in the playoff even if they lost to Wisconsin, so why even play the game? I do think, um, as it turns out, once Ohio State was behind at halftime, I thought if they come back and win, they're the two seed in the Fiesta Bowl. If they lose, they're the three seed in the Fiesta Bowl. So that's how much that second half mattered playoff-wise for Ohio State. But I wrote my entire postgame column on the idea of it's easy for us to say it doesn't matter. But these guys only get so many games. And if you don't get a national championship ring, you know what Like the only other ring is that you're going to get? You'll get gold pants for Michigan. You don't get a ring for Michigan, though. You get a ring for winning a Big Ten championship. And so I understand in a, in a playoff world, we can look down our nose at the idea that, that a conference championship doesn't matter that much and that it's antiquated. And the end of this message from the 614 is... Oh, never mind. You risk the health of all your starters to literally gain nothing, but hey, enjoy your Big Ten title like it's 1976. Um, I get it. I'm not criticizing that sentiment. We're playoff crazy, right? I don't think they feel that way. Like every win matters um, and every championship matters. And when Ohio State says like we're here to win championships, you know, you don't win that many national championships. They either have six. They, they claim eight. They really only have six right now in the 100-plus years of Ohio State football. So, you know what? They have Big Ten championships listed in the team room. They don't have wins over Indiana listed in the team room. They don't have wins over Michigan listed in the team room. They have when you're the Big Ten champ. So, I thought the way they came back and played showed that it did matter. And I – we had a big argument – on the, the podcast that didn't get recorded about this. I think this is the perfect example of why the four-team playoff works. And the idea that we would punt conference championships so that this weekend could instead have been an eight-team playoff so that – let's look at the college football playoff rankings. You know, that if you have an eight-team playoff, you're going to have an automatic spot for a non-Power 5 team um, so that Memphis – so that LSU can play Memphis – like, that's better than a conference championship. I don't care about Memphis. They're never going to win the national championship in football, so they shouldn't get an automatic playoff spot. And I have no idea what Memphis LSU would do for anybody. So if part of your argument for, like, an 18 playoff is, like, get Memphis in, that is a losing argument, my friend. So if we did the eight rankings right now, as it stands... Wisconsin is actually number eight, but they wouldn't get in. So it'd be Memphis. It would be LSU, Memphis. It would be Ohio State, Baylor. It would be Clemson, Oregon, and Oklahoma, Georgia. 
Like, how much better is that? I mean, do we really need any of that? The fact that Baylor lost to Oklahoma twice, like, do they deserve a playoff spot? So that if Baylor gets lucky and has a great day and Justin Fields, you know, his knee hurts again and something weird happens and, like, number two Ohio State, who went through a whole season undefeated, is upset by two lost Baylor, Baylor does not deserve a chance at a national title. So why are you in a hurry to create an eight-team world to give Baylor a chance? Baylor blew it. And Stephen and Nathan both disagreed with me on this. And we'll get into it. We have three weeks of this. But yes, there have been arguments about four, five, six in the past. But I'm going to take this moment to say four really works. Ryan Day on a conference call with Dabo Sweeney. It's been a rough day. The podcast didn't record. We're on like three hours sleep driving home from Indianapolis this morning after staying up after the championship game last night. We did a conference call with Ryan Day and Dabo Sweeney. They're both out recruiting. Dabo must be recruiting in the woods somewhere because I asked Dabo Sweeney a question about what it meant to the Clemson program to beat Ohio State 31 nothing in the semis in 2016. They had lost the national championship the year before. They then went and won the first national championship in this era after beating Ohio State in the semifinals, and Dabo Sweeney's answer was, well, you know what? A lot of chip. So I didn't... And that's why I... That game. And that was the Fiesta Bowl conference call with the coaches. So thanks, Fiesta Bowl! Well done! Put a man on the moon. We don't need an 18 playoff. This year was easy. It's not always this easy. I get it. But there are often a lot of years when eight's going to be. Cincinnati almost made the playoff. We've seen Cincinnati, Ohio State. They don't need to play again. They almost got the non-power. If they had beaten Memphis and that was a close game, they probably would have gotten the non-power five bid. If you are chirping for a non-power five team to get a shot at the national title in football, go, go root for Butler basketball. That's where your energy should be focused, not here. This is a good example of four. And I think I think I've talked about eight sometimes. I wrote when I did the mock committee, I was very frustrated with the way that unfolded. It is obviously very frustrating to have five conferences and four spots. Ryan Day, that's his main point. Get the five champs in. It's much cleaner. I don't think a non-power five should automatically get in. I think it's a joke. I think to make LSU... They're never going to lose to him, but don't make him go play. Don't make him go play. It's not like a one sixteen team in the game in the NCAA tournament because a college football game and a college basketball game are very different physical tolls. So don't risk the brains of twenty year olds so that LSU can beat Memphis fifty to nothing because you're trying to be fair. Nothing about college sports is fair. Sorry, Memphis. If you guys want to win a title, break off and make your own league. Let's let it be the power. The Power 5 teams will have a 65-team league, and you guys can go do your thing. That's great. I'm not disparaging that. I'm disparaging that if you're trying to insist that you deserve a shot at a title. You don't deserve it. And retroactively cram it UCF. So, like, this worked out this year, and it would be an 18-team playoff this year. And I understand there have been years where an 8 would have been better than 4. An 18-team playoff this year would be a joke. And right, And the conference to punt conference championships cavalierly I think is is not the right view I don't think they have to be there Nathan and Stephen were saying don't have conference championships you award the rings still give them the rings but it's whoever has the best regular season record I mean maybe I don't know you're going to end up with a bunch of ties and stuff and they and they said well that's what they did it before well college football did a lot of stupid things in the past they also let a bunch of old sports writers who were all biased for their part of the country and saw the other teams once a year on ABC vote for a national title. College football, it's like wagon train days, man. So, you know, I don't know, but 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 the 18 playoff is the robot of the future. And like if things are pretty good right now, I don't need a robot making my coffee and I don't need an 18 playoff. And I know we'll probably get there eventually, but I would like to stand up in the moment for the 14 playoff because right now, and I want to make this point, and I can't remember what we already said that didn't record and what I might have said earlier on this podcast. If I repeat myself, I apologize because no one's here to shut me down. If they had a two-team playoff this year, it would be disastrous because I think Ohio State might have gotten left out. 
Dabo got answer got asked a question about what if Clemson would have been left out in the BCS system, and he said, "Well, the- so I don't know what he said." Thanks, Fiesta Bowl, but uh, I think Ohio State might have gotten left out because voters, as dumb as they are now, were much dumber back then, and the committee has influenced how voters vote. And the committee now allows poll voters to be more open-minded, but poll voters used to really be stupid and stick to their ballots. And if Clemson was the defending national champ, I think that would have held more weight in the BCS era. And I think even though Ohio State and LSU, by all the computers, would be higher than Clemson, I think Clemson might have had enough of an edge on Ohio State in the polls because Clemson would have started higher than Ohio State and pollsters to repeat Harris poll voters and coaches poll voters who were part of the BCS at the end, dumb and dumber. We And given the SEC love, if you want to call it bias, but there's a lean towards the SEC. If you're telling me there's three undefeated teams in the BCS system, and those three undefeated teams are the SEC champ, the defending national champion, and the Big Ten champ, I'll tell you who I think's getting left out. So that's the world we could have been sitting in today. I asked Gene Smith about it. He didn't have a real answer for it because I've been thinking about it for 30 hours, and he hasn't. But if you're assuming, well, Clemson would have been left out because they're three now, I don't think that would have been the case, and that would have been redonkulous, stupid systems. But let's not punt conference championship games and think they're stupid. Why did Okuda sit out the first half? It felt like we can't win without our starting defensive backs. The backups, perhaps very talented, are not as good. Do you think we need a healthy set of starters to win the national championship? The defensive questions, that's from the 727. Against Michigan and against Wisconsin were both exacerbated by the fact that Sean Wade didn't play against Michigan and Jeff Okuda missed the first half against Wisconsin. Okuda came back in the second half. Um, that's certainly part of it. I thought Okuda's absence was more glaring, not because he's necessarily more valuable, just the way the game unfolded. Cephas for Wisconsin had a big first half. Okuda came in in the second half. He didn't follow Cephas everywhere, but he followed him some of the time, and his production went way down. I thought the ball to the Cephas that they got down to the half-yard line with Cam Brown defending, I thought Okuda might have broken that up. Nathan made the point that, well, Cam Brown almost tackled him, and Cephas still caught it. Cam Brown didn't make a play on the ball, though, and I think Okuda in that spot makes a play on the ball, and I thought there were at least a couple plays that I thought, oh, missed Okuda there. So, Part of it is better offenses, better quarterbacks, better game plans, finding a way to throw on the secondary. Some part of it, not too much, but some. More against Wisconsin is, yeah, they miss those guys. We don't have a reason to think they won't be around, so I wouldn't be worried about it. I might have said that before already, too. This lack of sleep is really disturbing. Ohio State's the only beat that has to deal with this because nobody else in the Big Ten ever wins the Big Ten championship. But the Big Ten is the last game on Saturday night. And between the end of the Big Ten Championship and the announcement of the playoff, it's 12 hours, not even. And by the time the game ends, you have to write, go back to your hotel, and then drive two and a half hours back to Columbus. And there's not a lot of time to sleep in there. And everybody on the beat does it, and you get looped. This is a loopy Sunday. It's one of the worst days of the year for us. And it's fine, but if I sound exceptionally cranky or exceptionally nonsensical, that's my excuse. Oh, I think Ryan Day is mad they got number two from the 570. I think the slighted attitude will trickle down to the players. I feel ashamed. My entire prior comments were fear-based and victim perspective. Ohio State is a dominant team that won by double digits against three bait teams. I'm glad we got Clemson. It guarantees playing them. It's like 2014 Ohio State got Alabama, right? That's Luke from Denver. He's got it. Thoughts on the following sentiment. Georgia, with all its injuries, was not any better than Wisconsin. Ohio State just played three straight tough physical teams, which should have been enough to keep them number one. Uh, I get it. I ran through the end of the schedule on the first podcast. Between Alabama and Georgia, LSU beat, I'm not going to look, see if I can remember, Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Texas A&M. Stink, stink, fraud. Stink, stink, fraud. So they became number one by beating Bama. They fell out of number one versus stink, stink, fraud. They went back to number one by beating Georgia. Meanwhile, Ohio State played stink, 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 stink for 10 weeks. And then they finished Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, and they fall. I think some part of LSU playing better, looking better on Saturday was related to the fact that the three weeks previous, they had gone stink, stink, fraud, while the two weeks previous, Ohio State had played top 10 team, top 12 team. I think if you would have rearranged the schedule, 
If Penn State's a win earlier in the year and Ohio State has an easier game late, I think it's possible Ohio State plays better against Wisconsin. There is a wear and tear. We've always given SEC, I've always tried to give the SEC credit for the wear and tear when I thought they were getting worn down much more than the Big Ten when Jim Trestle was winning titles here. It was harder to win week to week in the SEC. Clemson did not have that wear and tear this year. I thought the schedule did affect Ohio State as it turned out negatively. Because when they beat Penn State, that allowed them to jump LSU. But the stuff during the year is just machinations for TV. It's just plot twists on the way to the ending. Now we're at the ending. Ohio State's not number one. So the schedule did not help them. Alabama fraud, fraud, stink. No, I apologize. Alabama stink, stink, fraud, Georgia was a better game plan of a schedule than Ohio State's 10 weeks of stink, good, good, good. As it turned out, because LSU did it. So I do think if LSU had played better competition before Georgia, they wouldn't have looked as good. And Nathan said, well, like Alabama and Auburn played late, and I get that. It just Some of it's luck, and LSU didn't play the Citadel or Chattanooga State or Thomas Jefferson Middle School like the rest of the SEC does before rivalry weekend. So the fact that they played stink, stink, fraud is better than FCS. But as it worked out, and part of its luck, the luck went against Ohio State in some of that. I think it contributed to it. Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Clemson, and LSU, wouldn't that be considered one of the greatest teams ever? I love the fact they have the opportunity for it. Got to beat the best to be the best from the 267. I agree with that. Lean in. And that will be that will be a run that people will remember. For real. Get ready for it. Get ready for it. Oh, let's see. Number two, not bad. I like fake scene Clemson now. More time to prepare and gear up. Which side needs the most improvement or consistency heading to the game on the 28th? Offense or defense? From the 727. I remember what, what Steven and I both said, and we said offense. Based on, I think the receivers are good, not great. And the offensive line gave up some stuff on Justin. Josh Myers, when we talked to him Sunday, said a lot of times Wisconsin was bringing more rushers than they had guys to block them. It wasn't that they weren't just losing one-on-one matchups. And he said, when that happens, we've got to get the ball out. And Justin held the ball. But they're going to face better defenses, better defensive lines, more athletic defensive lines. So the offensive line is going to get tested more. The receivers are good, not great. Justin needs to be healthy. J.K. Dobbins is really good. So... um, I, you know, as much as all we all know the defense stuff, I'm a little more curious about the offense stuff because they've got to protect him. They've whatever it is, the offensive line and Justin need to be connected. And again, I'm repeating myself for the hundredth time. I'm okay with Justin holding it some at least in the name of the big play. Um, but it, the reward has to outweigh the risk. If they get into a national semifinal or national championship and they aren't getting the reward, out of Justin holding it when pressure is there, they're going to lose. So they've got to find the right balance. The offensive line has to block it up, and when they don't, Justin has to get rid of it sometimes. Can't can't be timid. Take the risks. Take smart risks. I think healthy Justin Fields has taken the right risks almost all the time. I have not had a problem with the sacks he's taken. I think he was thrown off a little bit the last couple weeks with the knee. But I think he'll be better for when it matters. All right, we're going to end this thing soon. Um, Woody Hayes, Braxton, shoulder, 31 nothing. Can this Ohio State team overcome the Clemson curse? We'll lean into the Clemson curse. That's from the 937. We'll lean into that in the next couple weeks. Um, I'm curious to know how the development of this season preps them for the playoffs. Oklahoma's down on their side. Clemson feels disrespected. LSU has the best attitude. Um, how have they matured the past three weeks? Are they exposed? I I told Steven on the podcast, I don't like when he uses the word exposed for this defense because I think it's the wrong phrase. Exposed is like you were covering something up and now we see the truth. We are not seeing the truth of the Ohio State defense. It's just they're facing better teams. They weren't they weren't covering things up by being 10-0 against crappy quarterbacks. It's just better quarterbacks can move the ball on anybody. So I think Ohio State's in an okay place. And I do think, I, I th- we'll talk about this more. Clemson has played nobody. So if you're looking to be battle-tested, as it stands now, and they both are where they are, which is playing each other in Phoenix, 
I'd rather have played Ohio State's schedule than Clemson's schedule. I'd rather have been tested to the degree that Ohio State's been tested than to the degree that Clemson has been tested, which is to the Wake Forest degree, which again is to the level of, uh, you know, George Washington Carver Elementary School. So I'm good. All right, we're not going to get to everybody. I'm going to do these Hey Dugs um, that we're going to do uh, for the tech subscribers. Um, we're going to uh, keep it rolling with the podcast midweek weekend. So what's what's what, what's right now? Like I said, I know when dates happen in the future. I never know what date it is right now. It's Sunday, December 8th. Um, so what we're going to do is we'll have a podcast like on Wednesday the 11th. We'll have a weekend one like on the 13th or 14th. We'll have a midweek one on like December 18th. Um, we'll have a weekend one like on the 20th or 21st. And then like Christmas week, I think we'll have daily podcasts on like 23, 24, 26, 27. I think will be the plan. We won't do one on Christmas. But I think daily podcast 23, 24, 26, 27 from out there. And then if Ohio State wins and they're going to the national title, I think we'll ramp up, ramp up the podcast even more uh, in the 16 days in between the semis and the finals. All right. I hope that one recorded. I know some of you guys don't like just me. Um, sorry we had to do it this way. I wanted to get to your questions. We wanted to make sure we didn't give you the postgame one because we were waiting for after the playoff. And then it got goofy on us. So sorry to Nathan and Steven that it worked out that way. Make sure you're reading all of our coverage this week. I'll give you the list of nine stories. These are the stories I have written down that I want to do coming up. Buckeye Nut Guy, 15 best skill players, Burrow Deli, Rested O-Line, Backup Quarterbacks, No Drama Justin, Aaron Kraft, How Clemson Took Spot, 2016 Change OSU Future, Shorter Window, Trestle, Michigan, Team of North, BCS Left Out, Equate Take Risk. Hmm. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. If you're a reporter uh, listening to that, don't take my ideas. If you're a reader listening to that, I hope you are intrigued. Um, all right. Appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Uh, thanks for hanging in. Sorry about the whole 9 and 3 thing. What are you going to do? Um, for Stephen and Nathan, who were here for the first time that we recorded only for our own pleasure, uh, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk.